Welcome to the Colby Daniels Podcast as we welcome in our weekly Wednesday guest, although uh, today is not Wednesday, he is Aaron Davis. Aaron, what's happening? Not much, just a, it's a whole new perspective being on on a Thursday. You know, Wednesday, it's all, you know, middle of the week, obviously, and I'm like, yeah, all right, well, let's let's do this. Let's get through this middle of this hump day and then <laughs> almost to the weekend. But now I'm like... Hell yeah, it's, it's the weekend. Like, Dude, you have a certain glow to you right now that's that's not there on a Wednesday. Maybe we need weekly Thursday, Aaron, instead of weekly Wednesday, Aaron, wait, because whatever, I feel like I'm talking to a completely different human being. Whatever we need to do, you know, it's just, uh, <laughs> it, there's a different perspective when, uh, you know, I'm one day away from a Friday, start a new job tomorrow. Yeah, I got another new job, but, uh, nice. start a new job tomorrow. Yeah, I had to quit the other one. It was a whole thing, but, uh. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm feeling good today. Feeling good. Got a uh, got a giant hole in my wall that uh, I guess I should explain. <laughs> um, uh, so Sunday, cooking dinner. Uh, Rosie and I made some uh, Hawaiian vegan burgers. They were pretty delicious. Uh, not gonna lie, but does that uh, involve like pretty- a pineapple? Yeah, yeah, okay. a little pineapple, made like a uh, sriracha aioli to put on it with uh, oh, nice. caramelize some onions. But uh, instead of using like oil or water to caramelize the onions, you, we used pineapple juice. It was good. It was good. It was a whole setup. It was good. But anyways, while we're cooking, like we finished making the first like round of burgers and like we're about to sit down and eat. And then uh, so I have like my computer and like a little office area set up in uh, what would be a dining room, but we don't eat in the dining room. We just have like a little table and like a breakfast area. So I had set my office up in the dining room and uh, Rosie walks over there and she's like, oh my God, the house is on fire. And I was like, what? And I walked over, complete opposite of fire. There's water all over the floor. <laughs> But the water it literally was like steaming. Like it was like you it was like being at a, like a hot spring out in like the mountains. There was so much steam coming off the water. I mean the water had to have been insanely hot. Turns out that a pipe had burst. Oh no. In my wall. And it so like for like two days this week we couldn't use the water because anytime we'd use the water, it would just spray out. And I even turned the hot water off thinking that maybe it was like just a hot water issue, yeah. but it was all any water. So like they finally come out and like cut a huge hole in the wall and just like a pinhead sized hole in one of the pipes. Oh, that's just brutal. Yeah. And apparently our house is piped with the same piping that they use in like RVs and mobile homes. Interesting. And, uh, yeah, and we have pretty insane water pressure, which I'm not complaining about. Like, I love the water pressure, but yeah, probably I was I talked to, I asked the plumber. I was like, probably shouldn't have this high water pressure with these pipes, huh? He's like, yeah, definitely not. <laughs> this is probably this is the joy of not being a homeowner, though. Oh, 100%. Because like I, this this went down, and like you're just like, hey, somebody come fix this for me. Yeah, the look the, the the it's just been inconveniences. It's not right. been a financial burden. Right. But, you know, not having water for a couple of days sucked. And then, honestly, the the worse than that is just the past, like, three days having to sit around the house all day, like, just waiting for these these vendors to come out. Yeah, like, that sucks. Do what they need to do, which I appreciate. But, like, I, I also got to work. I got stuff I got to do. I can't just sit around all week. But, yeah. oh, well. 
it's Thursday. I'm not going to let it bring me down. Yeah, you're telling that story, and I'm like, oh, man, he's in a way better mood than I would be if that happened because then you're talking about uh, big money. Ugh. Our garage door also has been broken for about two months, and they sent somebody out that fixed it, like, sort of, and uh, just haven't come to fix it all the way. It like I. How do you sort of I, fix the garage door? So it, I don't know what happened, but one of the like, one of the like, uh, I I don't know what you call it. Like I guess it was like a uh, chain or something. I don't know. I don't know how a garage door really works. But something broke. Yeah, there's a chain for sure. It, yeah, I don't think it was a chain, but okay. something broke and it dropped. It was up and it just dropped. Oh, while it was closing. Instead of you know closing slowly with the door, it right. just dropped and like slammed, and it broke a bracket. Okay. And a guy came. He's like, "Okay, the bracket's broken. I got it to open seventy five percent of the way, so like I can get the car in by like an inch <laughs> of space from the t- roof of the car, but it doesn't open all the way. Like I can- I have to duck to walk under it. Okay. But I it's been like two months and it's just been sitting there like opening at seventy percent, seventy five percent, and so it's at least functional, but it's just yeah, it's again, not it's ideal. Just an inconvenience, yeah, for it's just sure. Another thing that's just a minor inconvenience that just annoys me. Yeah, we have like ten of those things at our house, dude. It's an I. It's it's just like I. We lived in this is as long as I lived in a house as an adult. We've been here for like two and a half years, and it's just like the first year is fine, and then everything just starts breaking and falling apart. Yeah. After that, and I'm just yeah. like, what is going on? I uh, I Tim the tool man tailored our kitchen sink because the uh, the hose. So the sink has one of those like pull out. What do you call it? faucets? Like mm-hmm. they have like the hose where you get yeah, yeah yeah. So you can like dis like you can just pull the sink hose out to use it if you need to. Uh, well, that like randomly one day like the hose part had like three holes in it. I don't even know like where they came from, but like out of nowhere, there's just like several holes where water spewing out of this hose. So I was like, that's not going to be a big deal. I can, I can do that. So I go to Lowe's, I get the replacement hose and parts to put it all together. And I did it. And, uh, I was really happy with it. Uh, I was like, okay, this is operating. Like we're good to go. Realize a couple days later that, uh, the connection from where the water comes from to where that to where the the beginning of the hoses were like where those where that point meets, mm-hmm. uh, I I I don't know what it is that I did incorrectly, but there's still some water leaking out of there. It's just like a slow leak, but um, I'm like determined to figure this out myself. So I've attempted to correct this issue like five or six times. In the meantime, I have a giant bucket underneath where this is under the sink to collect the the dripping water until I figure it out. But I'm like a thousand percent determined to do it myself. I respect that. I yeah. probably would. I would hope that it goes better than Tim, the tool man route though, because didn't most of his, uh, attempts to be handy in poorly. Yes. Okay. I would hope. Yeah. Let's, I, I would hope that it, it goes more of the, uh, what was the other guys? Alan was that the Al other Borland. Al, Al. Yeah. yeah let's go with Al route. Yeah. Um, I mean, I haven't killed anybody or nearly killed myself oh. is the good part, but... That's the good part. Um, luckily, 
I mean, working with water is way better than working with like electricity. So yeah, if it were electricity, I'm not even messing with that. Right. Um, I got an embarrassing. Okay, it's not even a. It's not even a. It's. I just got an embarrassing adult story. So uh, like a couple of summers ago, uh, I, we had like a three hundred dollar water bill, and I'm like, what oh. is going on? Why is our water bill three hundred dollars? Like. I'm like calling the city. I'm like, what is going on? Like, is the meter broken? Like, this is insane. Like, there's no reason we should have a $300 water bill. And uh, long story short, turns out, uh, and I knew it was, I knew it was happening, but I just didn't think anything of it. A toilet ran for like 30 days straight, nonstop. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, oh, I'll fix that. I'll, I'll fix it. It's not a big deal. Fix it later. There you go. And yeah. And uh, turns out, it was just like. Like four hundred dollars later, three hundred dollars later, whatever, freaking just being a bad adult and just like that's not amazing. knowing that yeah, a running toilet is just gonna jack my water bill up. Yeah, that's not good. Uh, that's an expensive uh, lesson to learn. Right, and then I fixed it in like fifteen seconds. So like, it's just a completely right. like. This is one of those things, man. I, this is probably an embarrassing story that I shouldn't tell, but I'll tell it anyway. Um. One of my first apartments, I, I don't know if it was the first, but one of my first apartments uh, I lived in, that I lived in alone, I had uh, the smoke detector battery, like, get low, and so it starts chirping, you know, like, when, when the battery's low, it just kind of does that, like, chirp every couple minutes to let you know, like, hey, switch the battery. Well, I didn't have a battery for the longest time to switch out, and I just kept thinking, like, okay, I'll get to it. And I never took the other battery out, so I just, like, left it on, like, doing this chirp. Well, enough time went by that I just, like, literally became numb to the sound of the smoke alarm, like, beeping every couple minutes, and it, like, I was completely unfazed by it. I didn't even hear it. Until finally I had a, uh, a guest at my house and it's like, what is that noise? And I'm like, what are you talking about? What noise? It's like, there's a chirping like every two minutes. How do you not notice that? It's the most annoying sound on the planet. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's the, uh, the smoke alarm battery needs to be switched. It's only been yeah, like well, two I mean, months, but you know, no big deal. Look, I mean, it just lets you know that you're alive. As long as that, that you can hear that beep, yeah. you know you're in reality. Yeah. Or unless it was like, you know, hypnotizing you or something. I don't know. Yeah. It's crazy though what we can uh we can just completely adapt to as far as noises and stuff like that around where we live. I mean, I remember going to Chicago and going to a Cubs game and we parked at this guy's house and the L train literally ran above his house. Oh. And I'm like, how we were like, how do you like how do you live here? And he was like, Well, I don't know, like I don't even notice it. Yeah. It rattles the entire ground. Right. It's like an earthquake every like 15 minutes. It's crazy. The first month was probably really annoying, but beyond that, you just like. Right. Yeah, you adapt. Oh, I've 100% gone way, like weeks without changing a smoke alarm battery and just yeah. dealt with the chirping. I can't do it now because my dogs absolutely just lose their minds if the smoke alarm right. like, makes any kind of noise. But back in my single days, for sure, I was just ignoring it for weeks on weeks right this was also the same period of time in my life where if i'm like laying on the couch and the remote's not next to me 
whatever's on television is what I'm watching for the foreseeable future. Because like that. if the remote is halfway across the room and I'm laying on the couch, even if it's the worst show on the planet, I'm probably not getting off the couch to go get the remote. I respect that. I, I, I don't know if I've ever been there, I've res- I, but I respect that. <laughs> it's how I, I uh, it's that. how I originally started watching Jersey Shore. I woke up I mean, on a Saturday like, morning, completely hungover, turned on the television, laid on the couch, realized that the remote was not next to me, and the TV was already on MTV, and it was a Jersey Shore marathon, and I was just like, I'm not going to move. And I just look, laid I'm there not, and ended up watching like 10 episodes of Jersey Shore that day. This was back in season one. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I'm not going to sit here and say I didn't, you know, haven't had a time where... You know, I was staying at somebody's apartment and I just laid on their couch and turned the TV on and watched like seven straight episodes of Jersey Shore at 2 a.m. Yeah. I've been there. Yeah. Something about that show, I guess. It, it, at the time, it was just very, uh, I don't want to say addicting, but right. just trash TV that just drew you in. Well, I, 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 I didn't change the channel simply because I didn't have the remote. And then when the episode where Snooki gets sucker punched in the bar... Oh. Well, that's yeah. You got you're tuned in then. And then I was then I was like, okay, I'm I'm whether I have the remote or not at this point, I'm hooked. You got me. That uh, yeah. I mean, you, look, I got I got you. I'm I'm hooked at that point too. Hell, I might have even seen that. That might have been the same episode that got me hooked for like six more episodes. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, so bad. They still do like all these reunion shows, I guess. Which I don't know how they find time on MTV to play a Jersey Shore reunion show when. It's uh, ridiculousness is all that's ever on MTV. They should just rename I, the channel. It's not even, yeah. I Well, I mean, it's the old joke. It was like, they don't even play music on there anymore. Like that that whole thing. Yeah. But like, I don't need to hear Rob Deerdeck and that one girl that had with the obnoxious laugh for, you know, 17 straight hours. Dude, I'm not kidding you. Every time I look at my yeah, guide, it's ridiculousness. So I, yeah, I know. It's crazy. That's how the mighty have fallen. Yeah. There are there are two shows that I can 1000% guarantee you are always on television no matter what time of day it is. Number 1 is ridiculousness on MTV. Let me get can I guess number 2. Yeah. Is it Impractical Jokers? Oh, well, you know what? That might that might be uh there might be 3. Cause okay. Cuz you're right. Impractical Jokers is always on television as well. Okay. I don't know. The, I don't know the other one. So though. the other one, I've never seen a single episode of this show. I, to be honest with you, I don't know if I've ever seen a single minute of this show. But it's literally on my guide every time I look to see what's on television. Rizzoli and Isles. I don't even know what that is. I don't know what Rizzoli and Isles is. I assume it's some sort of like cop show. What is it? Like what channel? I have no idea. Just any of them. I just I, I literally see Rizzoli and Isles it's, it's a, on the guide like every single time I look. I mean, it, I can't tell if it's a cop show or a cooking show. Let's see. Rizzoli and Isles. I'm pulling it up on the... Uh, Angie Harmon is the star. It's a crime drama television series, according to the Wikipedia. I've never heard of this. So yeah, Rizzoli and Isles. Uh, never seen the show, other than 
now reading on Wikipedia that it's a uh, crime drama. I didn't even know what it was about, but uh, if anybody's listening to this and you're next to your television remote, like, pull it up. I'm sure you will find the three shows we just mentioned. That You, you know what? I'm, I'm going to look it up right now. I guaranteed that ridiculousness and is def- we all know ridiculousness is on. Yeah. Right. I Without a doubt. MTV. What do we got? What do we got on MTV? Ridiculousness. Ridiculousness. Is on right now, what a shocker. It is on from now until uh, 6 p.m. when deliciousness comes on, which I assume is also a Rob Deerdeck show. It's the, yeah, it's the same thing. I think only this one has to do with food, but it's the same okay. same show. So you got that. You got Ridiculousness till 6, and then Deliciousness for an hour, and then you got Jersey Shore, Family Vacation. There you go. And then uh, real quick, let's pop on over to uh, True TV, see what's going on over there. Uh, True TV. I need to figure out what random channel it is that Rizzoli and Isles comes on. Uh, well, this thing I'm looking at is not True TV, but we'll just assume that Impractical Jokers Guaranteed, is Guaranteed, Impractical Jokers is on right now as well. And so. I don't know if it's like Lifetime or, uh, I'm just throwing that out there, Hallmark or something. It, it seems like a Lifetime show for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. those. Uh, I'll tell you another show that I've never seen a minute of, but I've probably significantly contributed to their ratings charmed because charmed comes on like weekday mornings on TNT. Mm -hmm. So if I've stayed up late watching a TNT game and then turned off the television, when I turn it back on in the morning, charmed is on. I've never watched charmed. I haven't either. I'm at least aware of it. Like it's not like right. Rizzoli and, Rizzoli and Isles, or, yeah. I like I know what Charmed is. I know who's in Charmed, all that good stuff. But yeah, beyond that. Which by the way, I, like how like how is Impractical Jokers even a thing still? Right. Like everybody knows who those guys are. Yeah, it's like uh it's like uh punked, right? Like after a season or two, it's just like okay. Right. Right. Which it's what that's a big reason why Jackass couldn't last more than like two years as a TV show. Right. Because you see Everybody, them and you're like, okay, here comes the prank. Right. Okay, Steve-O, you're doing, I know the, I, all right, all right, here we go. And then is the whole thing's ruined because everybody's like, people can't act, don't, don't know how to act on yeah. the street. So they're just gonna be like being awkward and weird. And like, yeah. yeah. So I don't know how they do that. But. Somehow though, they've, they've done like 6,000 episodes of uh, Impractical Jokers. Right, and they keep doing more, and people are still falling for it. And they do, uh, they do a tour, which I don't know anybody that's gone to one of their shows, but like, what do they do when they pack an arena full of people? Like, what is it that they perform? Well, I know. Are you aware of this? Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, one of them for sure is a pretty successful stand-up com- comedian. So I don't know if they do like stand-up. Oh, okay. Or. Uh, like Sal Volcano is a he's a he's a pretty successful comedian stand up comedian but I think that they do like slideshows and like I I don't know like it I guess it works because they sell tickets I mean they did yeah. a, like freaking cruise yeah they have like, they have their own cruise that they do so like 
people go and I, I guess it works, but yeah, I don't know. I guess they prank people. Dude, what, who are these people that decide like, you know what? I'm going to save my money. I'm going to use my vacation time and I'm going to go on a cruise with the impractical jokers. I, I like dream looked. vacation, baby. I guess if you want to go get away for a week and not talk to any women, <laughs> that's, that's the best thing you can do. If you want to just get away from the ladies for a week, go on the Impractical Jokers cruise. Oh, that, God, that know. sounds like the worst vacation of all time. You walk into your little tiny, like, cruise cabin. There's, like, a whoopee cushion under the mattress, I assume. Probably so. Oh, that's funny. There's no way there's a worse vacation than an Impractical Jokers cruise. I mean, I can think of worse vacations, but nope. it's not for the possible. money. For the money, it's not worth it. Well, there's no I way that's imagine. expensive, right? I mean, it's a cruise. I mean, you got a—that's a lot of staffing. It can't be cheap. I don't think cruises are that expensive anymore. I mean, I don't—I'm not a cruise guy, so I'm not like researching it religiously. Uh, um, they got nothing on their website for the cruise. How much are cruises? I was actually looking at a uh, at Mississippi River cruise for a bachelor party. Yeah, and it was like six, seven thousand dollars. But apparently, the river cruises are more expensive than like a Caribbean cruise, which I I don't understand. Yeah, here's one to the Bahamas for a hundred and sixty bucks. No way. No yeah. way it's yeah. 160 On Carnival.com. As what? Like a worker? As a, as a waiter? I, I, I just, I don't think there's the same like level of intrigue with cruises as there was when we were like younger. I have a, I have a friend that sells cruises. Like he, he's a travel agent. He sells cruises. He sold a 40, he sold Two forty thousand dollar tickets to a lady about a month ago to go on a ninety day cruise. <laughs> who who the hell wants to be on a cruise for ninety days? Right, and like, so like the idea of like being on this ship and it like taking you all like it's like a global cruise like it goes all over the place. Yeah, and I'm like that sounds awesome, but then you think about it, and you're like you have like eight hours at each place, maybe. Right. You don't even get to experience any of the places you go to. You spend 85% of the time on the boat for 90 days or six months or whatever in it is. In a tiny little cabin. And then you have to see the same people like sitting by the pool. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, look, good for him. I'm stoked for him that he, yeah. you know, he works on commission. He sold $80,000 for on him. One that's cruise, awesome. Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, that's got to be just, you just got FU money and no, and just, it's too much time on your hands to spend that much money on a cruise that lasts months. Think about a vacation, Aaron, that you could take for forty grand. That's better than a cruise. No, you can, any vacation. Yuck. There's not a vacation in the world you couldn't go take rent. Go rent a yacht. Much. Right. Right. Just go. Go. Go spend a month, or go spend. Yeah, go. I don't know if it'd be enough money to spend a month in uh, Monaco, but go spend a month in Monaco. Right. I mean, be, I, 
again, I don't know if 40 grand is going to keep you there for a month, but still, yeah, I mean, that's, you can get way more of a fulfilling experience than being on a boat for three months. <laughs> Sounds like worst case scenario. Right. 90 days on a cruise, cruise ship. I've never been on one, so, I mean, they could be great. Uh, I'm just, it just I'm, I'm doesn't sure move the needle for me at all. Like, you look at the pictures of where you're, like, the room you're staying in, and it just, the whole experience, These all these people that are just, like, herded like cattle to the if different it was, areas of the ship. If it was a situation where, like, you take a two, like a two-day cruise down to, like, the Bahamas, and you get yeah. to stay there for a week, right, and then come back. That's different, but that's not really a cruise, there. though. Like the cruise, you're paying for the experience of being on the boat, which is my issue right. with the cruise. Right. If the cruise was just a means of like travel to get somewhere, yes, and then you could stay there as long as you want, and like it's like it works like a ferry. <laughs> right. I would I would be in all in on that because I don't like flying, and there's so many places I can't get to, obviously by driving, like you know. The anywhere in the Caribbean, so like I would, I would pay you know four or five hundred dollars to be shuttled down there on a boat and then stay there for a week. Yeah, but to be you know be on a boat, then they they get to the dock and they're like, all right, you have twenty four hours, <laughs> and then be back or you're gonna be left here. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't appeal to me. I agree. No, I mean the first cruise was a complete disaster, and everybody was like, eh, you know what, like let's let's keep doing it. Let's give that another go. That worked out super well. I'll try anything twice. What are the odds we're going to hit another iceberg? Let's just keep going. <laughs> uh, you're right. If it if it's just a travel vessel, completely different scenario than spending like 80% of the time you're away on the ship. Right. And I'm sure that I'm sure that for like the first day it's a blast. You know, you got the pool with like 9,000 other people in this one pool. Right. You go free food. Hell, you know what? If there was it's a, buffet, a buffet. Yeah, it's like a buffet. Okay. You know what? If I get just unlimited free buffet for five days straight, maybe. I might pay 160 bucks to do that. I might pay 500 bucks to just get unlimited buffet for five days. When was the last time you were at like the Golden Corral? Um... Probably like seven, six years ago. Now imagine if you just picked up that golden corral with all the people that were in it when you were there and put it on a ship. I mean, That's who you're spending 90% of your time with also. Look, I'm not saying golden corral is great or anything, but I, I could spend eight hours at a golden corral. Yeah, I mean, not I, any, like yeah. I'm not saying that I wouldn't eat at golden corral, but I, again, like... It's it's the whole that's your whole experience. Well, the whole I'm, vacation not, is Golden Corral. I'm, that's the problem. I'm trying to find the reasons that one would, you know, the cruise thing is just. Uh, I, I'm not saying I would never take one. Uh, and look, maybe maybe uh, if there's a cruise company out there that uh, wants to try and sway me, um, I could be swayed. But based on hearing people that I know and their stories of being on cruises uh, and just collecting the data from uh, different different uh, 
cruise experiences that I've seen. It's uh, not necessarily at the top of my vacation list. I mean, have you ever heard of a positive story from a boat, from a large boat with other people, with strangers? Only from T-Pain. No. Well, it's his own boat. He's on there by himself. That's a yacht. <laughs> he's on a yacht. He's not, he's not on a, a <laughs> carnival cruise. Carnival cruise. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And Carnival's like the uh, the nicest of the cruise lines, right? Like, isn't that's? I think so. Every think time I've there. ever been on a vacation where I'm at a place that has like a cruise port, the ships that pull in there look nothing like the ships they show you on television. What's the? Uh, yeah, where's the uh, Southwest Airlines version of cruises? That's probably what I'm stuck <laughs> yeah, on. I feel like they found the Titanic at the bottom of the ocean, brought it up, refurbished it, and said, all right, we're putting this thing back to sea. Hey, hey man, look, it deserves, everybody deserves a second chance. Yeah, for sure. Hey, that lost, they, the Titanic lost that first fight, but you know what? Let's get it back out there. See what it can do. <laughs> oh, man. Speaking of losing, Aaron, uh, the NBA draft lottery. I guess we'll uh, we'll hit some sports. The NBA draft lottery on Tuesday night, Thunder, the, the, not quite the worst case scenario, but the second worst case scenario for OKC. Pick number six, they also have 16 and 18. What'd you think? Um, so, yeah, we're definitely worst case scenario to not end up in the top five. Like, we, going into it, you know, what was a 75% chance with their own pick or something like that that they ended up in the top five? Yeah. And then they had a Houston pick, which I understand was top four protected. So, like, the odds of that falling out of the top four were a bit slimmer. But right. still, it increases your odds of falling at five because Houston could have fallen at five. And then you end up with six. And I know people like this draft. But, again, with the NBA draft, like, there is a big drop from, like, the top three to everybody else in the draft. Yeah. The, it's a complete crapshoot at six. Seven. Seven has, I think seven has been a little bit more reliable uh, as far as getting talent. But again, I mean, that's totally random crapshoot. But right. that just goes to prove that, like, if you're at three, you're you're getting more of a sure thing than you are at six. And it doesn't work that way. Like, in the NFL, that's not the case at all. Right. I mean, you could get a sure thing in the NFL anywhere in the first round, really. But in the NBA, I mean, to go from three to six, you're looking at someone from, like, a, 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 like a Jason Tatum to uh, like a Marcus Smart going yeah. from three to six. Yeah. Now, those aren't those are just random guys I thought of. I, but it, it just shows the, the talent gap in a lot of drafts and most drafts. And it's got to be worst case scenario for the Thunder. Luckily, though, uh, OKC is going to have like, you know, 10 or 11 more shots at this lottery thing <laughs> over the next like decade. Because yeah. they're not. I mean, I just don't see any way that i mean they're going to turn this around any anytime soon and i don't think that they have plans on turning it around anytime soon so sucks this year but guess what they're probably gonna suck next year especially i mean even if they have kimba for the year and he plays i don't know what that's gonna make that big of a difference on what they can produce and then it's gonna be tough man and i if like if i'm a thunder fan like i'm i'm a little butthurt about the lottery but my biggest concern is trying to keep shay like I'm more worried about whether or not Shea is going to resign with the Thunder than I am if I get the, a top five pick in this draft because this draft just I mean they're not going to get Kate or Jalen and you right. know so 
I know the USC kit's pretty popular, but I just you're not. I just don't feel like you're getting that difference maker no. in this draft, falling out of the top three or four. So. I agree. I, I agree. It's it. it's it's an interesting position to be in, and I I, I was uh, talking about this early in the week. I, I thought that uh, Tuesday night was massive in terms of what it could mean for Oklahoma City in the rebuild versus like when you look at the difference, Aaron, from what was possible on Tuesday night to what they actually got. That's a massive gap. Like if you yeah. hit the best case scenario and you get two top five picks compared to having the number six pick, like that's a massive difference in what you can do to fast track your organization back to NBA relevancy. And look, maybe the Thunder are, are going to continue to be overachievers and, you know, kind of be on that fringe like playoff line, but that's not where you want to be. be. No. Uh, I mean, we can all talk about what a good story that is and that they're overachievers and they're better than anybody thought they would be. But at the end of the day, that's not the position you want to be in. You don't want to be the eighth or ninth best team in the in the league because you're you're in, you know, the NBA no man's land. Like it's it's tough to rebuild from that point. Um, and you're also, you know, not really giving yourself an opportunity. You're not good enough to actually compete with the best teams in the NBA. So, um the fact that you miss out of the top five, like, are the Thunder in a terrible position? No, they have three first-round picks, but it could be significantly better than it is. And anybody that thinks that it couldn't is out of their mind. Having a top five pick without having to try, and I use the word try very aggressively, without having to try to move into the top five with the assets you have are two completely different things. Could the Thunder maybe trade up into the top five of this draft or try to trade into the top three. They could. But there's a reason we don't see a bunch of top five picks traded, Aaron. All these teams are bad teams. They, they're they looking for the difference makers. They're not looking to get middle of the first round kind of talent. And, and like I said, there's not like the talent gap from the top three, top four till like the middle and end of the top 10 is Usually pretty drastic. Like, yeah. I mean, there's exceptions like the uh, Luca and Trey draft where you're looking at, you know, probably like eight or nine guys that went in that first round that, you know, would have been valuable picks at, at that spot, but like a Luca and Trey swap. But generally speaking, like a team, like you said, is not going to trade out of the top three to move to six. Right. Like, especially if they're terrible. Now, if it's an, ex- if it's like Golden State, if you call, Golden State, Golden State would have ended up in like at third or or fourth or whatever. Maybe they move back because they're not really a bad team. They just had a bad year or had a couple of bad years. But generally speaking, like the Pistons suck, the Rockets suck, um, the Cavs suck. None of those teams are looking to just add one piece and be contenders. Right. Like they're looking to wait it out. And that's part of the NBA thing too. Like that's part of the, the world of the NBA is – in the NFL, the parity the, the, the parity is so great, I guess, as though I guess the way you would phrase it, from like team one to team thirty two. But the NBA, you kind of just have to wait, wait a few years until like the super team of that you know that span breaks up, and then the league shifts. The league shifts every few years, so it doesn't matter. Just wait it out, and then you're going to be good again. Like um, like the Suns, the Suns just kind of, I mean, really, the roster's been the same for a couple of years. They just kind of waited it out. And then they added Chris Paul and, you know, a time when the league has shifted, you know, Durant went to the East, Harden went to the East. Like 
the West had opened up a little bit and they, they made a push to bring in a, you know, a veteran that's going to make their team better. But you know, you just, same with Oklahoma city, just, you have to wait until your window yeah. opens up to get back into being a contending team in your conference. And right now it's not that time. Like it's not time for Oklahoma city to be aggressive and, uh, and what they do with their team. Maybe in three or four years, you start being aggressive and you start using those assets to bring in established players. But I, right now, I just, I, I think best case scenario that puts you, like you just said, in that like French playoff area where you don't want to be because you're never going to get better in that area. Right. Uh, last year's number six pick was the uh, the USC kid that, that the Hawks took. Uh, what's his name? He, he's not even playing, is he? He's a uh, he played a little bit in, uh, I want to say, the second round. Did he's he? okay. okay. Yeah, um, well, a little bit. I'm mean, not like a little bit he uh, yeah. played, but he's okay. I mean, it's a tough lineup to get into. Right. Atlanta's pretty damn good Especially right now. Atlanta's, in the front another, court. Um, Atlanta's another example where, I mean, they were terrible. They had the, what, three number three pick three years ago? Yeah. And then they were aggressive this past offseason. They brought in Gallinari. They brought in Bogdanovich. Like, you just kind of have to play it and, like, push on your window when your window opens yeah and i mean their oklahoma city's window is going to take way longer if they don't resign shea yeah like i said i mean that's got to be priority number one for any thunder fan is resigning shea because he's gonna he's gonna speed up this whole process because he's already an established nba you know, all-star caliber player i'm gonna give you the number six picks in the one and done era of the draft I'm pretty sure they're bad. You ready for this? This is just the one and done era. So this is when they ba- they went from high schoolers being able to enter the draft to you have to go to school for a year and so fourteen ish years. Yeah, so about years. fourteen or fifteen years. Yeah. All right. So I just mentioned the USC kid who's I, I his name's escaping me. Um, 2019 Jarrett Culver from Tech for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Okay. 2018 Mo Bamba. From Texas, now with the Orlando Magic. 2017, Jonathan Isaac from Florida State, now with the Orlando Magic. See, but this okay. So you're you're making your point right now is you don't want to be the Orlando team where you're that you're you're on the fringe of being yeah. an eighth or like the eighth best team in the East or like the tenth best team in the East because you never you always just end up like at the end of the top ten and yeah you get role players you yeah. just draft role player after role player yeah. Uh, 2016, Buddy Heald. Which honestly is one of the more successful players on this list, but like nobody's confusing Buddy Heald with an all-star caliber player, right? Like right. he's a if, nice role player to have. If it were, I mean, if the Kings were the one of the most inept run organizations of professional sports, he wouldn't be getting paid what he's getting paid, right? Like, I mean, he's a great shooter, and there's money there, but yeah. even he is what he is. 2015, Willie Cauley Stein. Again, King Sacramento. Well, I mean, yeah. New Orleans drafted Buddy Hill, but still, it's, yeah. it's the same teams over and over. That you wonder why they can never, you know, right. be contenders. Twenty fourteen, Marcus Smart. Twenty thirteen, Nerlens Noel. Here's the big exception on this list, um, but you know, I don't know how many people were super crazy about Damian Lillard coming out of Weber State, Weber State, but twenty twelve, Damian Lillard, twenty eleven, Jan Vesely. Drafted by the Washington Wizards from the Czech Republic. I don't know that I've ever seen Jan Vesely play in the NBA. I'm not watching. I mean, I definitely wasn't watching a lot of Wizards games yeah. in uh, like 2013, but yeah. 2010, um, our guy from uh, Edmund, Epe Udo. Drafted by the Ed- Golden State Warriors out of Baylor. 
Yeah. Fine player in Israel, I believe. I think, he plays I think that's Turkey, right. Maybe. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. 2009, Johnny Flynn from Syracuse drafted by the Minnesota Timberwolves. Okay, there was, but Steph went seven that draft, right? Because I remember they took they took Johnny Flynn over I think, Steph. Yeah, I think that's right. I think and that's Steph right. went seven. That was a good draft. That was a James Harden draft, yeah. Steph Curry. Yeah. 2008 was Danilo Gallinari. Good pick. By the New York Knicks. 2007 was uh, Yi Jianlian from China, drafted by the Milwaukee Bucks. And then I believe 2006 was the first year of the one and done, and that was Brandon Roy uh, out of Washington, drafted Ooh. by the Timberwolves, traded to the Portland Trailblazers. I was a big Brandon Roy guy. You know, if he, he would have had any cartilage in his knees, yeah. his career would have lasted a lot better. So basically what you're saying is, outside of Damian Lillard, who was a complete, like, shot in the dark coming out of Weber, Weber State, right. you're getting a role player at six. Yes. Most often, you're going to get a role yeah. player. Best case scenario, you get a guy that could be like the fourth or third, maybe the third best player in your starting five. Well, how many? Yeah, team. how many of those guys would you say? I mean, it's probably too early to say with Bamba and Isaac, but I I would safely say those guys don't look like they're starting caliber players on playoff caliber teams. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, they start for the Orlando Magic, but yeah. And, and and I think that part of it too is like especially with like Mo Bamba and I, I admittedly I don't want to watch a lot of Magic game Magic games especially this past year like you you need those guys to like really take big steps early in their career yes. if they're going to ever be anything more than a role player like you they they need to take that step pretty quickly yeah and taking a guy at six like like if you take a guy two or three or one like. The step that they need to take isn't necessarily as drastic, I don't think, because obviously their, their talent level is just so much higher that you don't need them to, like, there's not as much of an unknown with drafting them. But at six, like, I mean, these good, this guy could take a leap and be a superstar like Dame Lillard, or they could, you know, completely flame out like a Johnny Flynn. Yeah. And, like, we're talking about six. Talking about the sixth best player in that draft. Right. Or the sixth highest drafted player in that draft. Right. And you just don't know what you're going to get. And, I, I mean, that's why I've... I've said for a while that I I think that we overrate GMs when it comes to the draft just because it's a complete crapshoot in the NBA draft. Like you just don't know what you're getting from anybody. Yeah. I mean, if you're missing your top, if you're missing your premium picks, then that, I, I think that's a, a big indictment. Sure. But I mean, if you're taking, if you're taking uh Darko Milicic uh, over, yeah. Yeah. Over any over Wade or yeah. Bosch or yeah. Any of those guys. But or if you're taking Anthony Bennett one, like you could blow it for sure. for sure. It's pretty easy to blow it, but that's what I'm saying. It's a it's a total crapshoot because like, who knows if like Darko if Darko would have stayed in uh, in Europe for like another year or two and like kind of just matured as a person and been able to acclimate to America and being on his own a little bit better. Who knows? Maybe he would have been a better player, but you don't know that when you're drafting him. And it's just what I'm saying. Like, I think we overrate GMs because yeah, you can scout all you want, but you don't know how that. 18 and 19 year old kids going to react when he becomes a millionaire becomes a professional athlete and it can work out. You could have a guy that's a cold blooded killer like Dame, or you could have a guy that's a complete head case like Darko Milicic. Yeah. But yeah, like I said, it's a tough position to be in and you, you got to get lucky. Why. Like you have to get lucky when you're rebuilding in the NBA. Yep. And again, that's why I think it's so important that Oklahoma City has to do, put all their chips on the table to get Shea to stay long-term 
because you know that he, you know what he is. You know he can be the best player on your team when you're good. Like I think, I think Shea is good enough and he's progressing not, uh, well enough that he could be the best player in three or four years on a like top four team in the West. See, I'm not there yet. I'm not saying he can't be, but I, I would say the jury's still out for me on that. Really? I think he's, I mean, I think he's just like offensively, I think his game has just progressed so well, yeah. especially after that, that year with Chris. Uh, that I, I think that, yeah, but I think it's be tough. I think it's gonna be tough to keep him. Obviously, like there's the motivation for him to sign the extension with Oklahoma City because he's gonna make more money by resigning with Oklahoma City than going out as a free agent. But yeah. I mean, I, does he want to? I mean, I guess it depends on where they're at. And I, I think he has. Honestly, I'd be he, he wasn't a years. he wasn't a top pick, so Another I year. would be shocked to see him not take the money this time around. Sure. I, yeah, I, I would too. Yeah, I think we're. I think the worry is that by the time you resign Shea, by the time you get good, and he's kind of really become an established player, is when you're worried about right. him leaving for that next contract. So yeah, I mean, but I mean, honestly, look, like Kawhi has a Kawhi's deals up this year. If he if he opts to go somewhere else, which I don't think he will, I think he'll probably stay in L.A. But if he leaves, you know, that's gonna free up a lot of that's gonna free up some money for the Clippers. Um, LeBron's you know getting older. Like, is Shea? I don't know. Maybe Shea signs a one and one. I don't know. There's so yeah. many options. The way the NBA fluctuates year to year now, that who knows what is going to happen in two years? Like, I mean, you guys, you've got rookie a whole bunch of rookies that are really good. They are going to be coming up at the end of their rookie deals here shortly. I mean, John Morant, Trey Young, Luca. Um, and I mean, there's been reports that Luca might want out of Dallas uh, once his deals up. Yeah. Uh, Shay is, is in that boat too. Like, there's a lot of a lot of young players that are going to be coming up with their deals, and maybe one of them is going to take that chance and say, "I can make more money on endorsements if I go to the Knicks than staying in like in Oklahoma City or New Orleans." Yeah, it's tough, man. Uh, here's here's the other thing I want to get into, and that's training up in this draft because obviously we're breaking down, you know, the likelihood of of hitting on a guy that you're going to build around at number six is pretty low. But there's also, for some reason, this idea by people uh, here that, like, it's no big deal. Oklahoma City can just move into the top three. Like, you have enough draft picks. Just offer a bunch of draft picks and you'll move into the top three. I don't know why people think it's that simple, but let me ask you. We'll start with the number one pick. You're the Detroit Pistons. That roster sucks. That's not a good roster. They, yeah, I mean, Jeremy Grant's their best player. No offense to Jeremy yeah. Grant, but he shouldn't be the best player on an NBA team. No. They desperately need game changers. If I call you as Oklahoma City and offer you the number six pick, the number 16 pick, the number 18 pick, and let's just for the fun of it add two future first-round picks, are you trading the number one overall pick in this draft? No. Are you entertaining trading the number one overall pick in this draft? No, I'm getting Kate Cunningham. Right. Like, I, again, you don't know how these kids are going to translate to the NBA and being professionals, but I, ha- I have a chance to get Kate Cunningham. What, like, what, I'm going to give up Kate Cunningham for an eighth grader? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm going to take the guy that I've seen play at a high level in college basketball that I know is he's a six, seven point guard who is really good at basketball and could be a difference maker for my team 
I'm not going to give that up for some 14 year old who can't dunk yet. Yeah. All right, you you are a Houston Rockets fan. The Houston Rockets have the second pick in this draft. Also, a team that desperately needs game-changing players. If I'm Oklahoma City and I call you and I say, hey, I'm going to give you the number six pick. I'm going to give you the number 16 pick. I'm going to give you the number 18 pick. I'm going to give you three future first-round picks for this second overall selection. What's your answer? No. No. Right. This, see, people for some reason just think like because Oklahoma City has all these picks that if the Thunder are just to offer a boatload of picks to these teams that are picking at the top of the draft, these teams are going to be like, oh, you're going to give me like eight picks? Sure, I will trade you a game-changing draft pick at number two and maybe the hey. best pick I ever make from all the picks you're going to give me is the number six pick that you're sending me right now. As long as the Thunder just decides, hey, we're going to trade you like six or seven or eight draft picks uh, for one of these premier spots, it's going to happen. No worries. We're fine. We got the number six pick, but we're just easily going to trade into the top three. Okay, so if you let's, let's look at it from an angle of a different sport. So if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars this past draft yeah. and Packers called you and said, hey, you want to like, you know, like a 2025 and a 2026 first round pick and like, like eight second round picks for, so we can get Trevor Lawrence. There's no way Jackson's, you know what you're doing yeah. that hard pass. It, you're, you're, why would a team that desperately needs something, give up something that they know what they're getting for a complete unknown? You don't like, yeah. you don't give up. If somebody's like, Hey, here's a house. We'll give it to you for free. You can take that or you can take a mystery box. <laughs> right. The mystery box could be a house, but it could also be, you know, like a pile of dog turds. Right. It's like, who knows? Right. Like a house. You don't have a house. You're homeless. <laughs> right now, the Pistons don't have a house. The they Pistons and the Rockets are homeless. They have a house. They won the lottery. They have a house. Why would they trade that house? To play the lottery again. To play the lottery again. Exactly. Like, that's my point. That people just, for some reason, don't understand because they think... Oklahoma City has all these draft picks that, again, are good assets to have. I'm not saying that these aren't good assets. But when you're talking about trading the unknown for the known, that's a completely different argument. And who in their right mind would trade your your metaphor there, the house, for the mystery box? You wouldn't. Right. Now, look, if somebody else was like, hey, I see you're getting this house that you won in the lottery. Well, I have a mansion who goes by the name of Anthony Davis. I'll right. give you my mansion for your lottery house. Yeah, you do that. That's a different situation. Exactly. But you're not giving it. You're giving yeah. up a, 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 a mystery box. Yeah. For house and this, yeah. So and even if you're giving that. eight mystery boxes, like those could all be eight be dog turds. Dog turds. Yes. Right. Maybe one of them's a house, but you don't know that. Right. Nope. Now, if you have an old house that's falling apart, then you give it up for mystery boxes. But. You're getting a brand new house. Yeah. It, it has nobody lived in it yet. Nobody has used that house yet. My other you favorite one is up. send Kimball Walker. Trade Kimball Walker and a bunch of picks to yeah, yeah. Once Look, again, you you're the what? Houston if, Rockets, Aaron. Do you want to start build, do you want to start building around Kimball Walker at 31 years old? The answer is no. Kimball Walker's a great player. I love Kimball Walker. But if I'm starting to build a franchise, I'm not starting with a 31-year-old point guard. Look, you look. If the Lakers don't want to play with Dennis Schroeder anymore and they want to spend the money and go for a Kimba Walker. Sure. 
you could get like the 25th pick in the draft for Kimball yeah. Walker. You're not getting like, again, in the NBA draft, the top five is like gold. Yeah. Everything past that, the value deteriorates like very fast. Like you're going from gold to like, Dog turds. I, yeah. I don't. I, I, don't yeah. know, I can't think of it. And honestly, in this draft, I think turds. it's the top four. Like, yeah, it fluctuates year to year. Yeah. Sometimes it's like there's nobody that stands out. Sometimes there's two guys. There's three guys. Like yeah. sometimes there's six. Like it doesn't matter. But like, it's a like you can hit at the end of the draft and then in the first round of the NBA. But like the odds of it are so slim. And like, and the funny thing is, like we went through the guys that go have gone at at six for the last like 14th years. And it's you're looking for the same thing at six that you're looking for at twenty six. You're you're just looking for a role player, looking for a guy that can be that's going to contribute. Hopefully, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. You need a guy that can be a, the tenth, one of the ten best players on your team. Like, let's go beyond. I, I did just the one and done era. Let's go back beyond the one and done era uh, at the number six pick. And I, this just furthers what we're saying. Martel Webster. Josh Childress, Chris Kamen, Dewan Wagner, Shane Battier, Demar Johnson, Wally Zerbiak, who I think actually made an all-star team one year. Um, but nobody's Wally Zerbiak's not a you know a franchise player, although I loved Wally World at Miami. He fit he, yeah, he fit well in in the team, you know, in yeah. Minnesota playing with KG, but yeah, yeah it's uh, Robert Trailer, Ron Mercer, Antoine Walker, Big Country. Sharon Wright, Calbert Chaney, Tom Gugliotta, Doug Smith, Felton Spencer. See what I'm saying? That goes back to 1990. That's 30 years of data on the number six pick in the draft. 30 years, Aaron. It, yeah, and it, it, I mean, look, in the NBA, we all know that one guy can completely change the trajectory of your team. And look what Trey Young's doing in Atlanta. Yeah. Like, he has completely changed the future of that organization. Same well, I was. I, I guess Luca maybe in Dallas. I think Trey Young's had more of an effect on Atlanta, and I think they've had a little bit. They've had, definitely had a better plan than Dallas has had over the past few years. So they've surrounded uh, him with much better right. players that match what he's trying what to play do. Style. Yeah. Right, exactly. So they've they've planned much better. Yeah, I, I always like to compare them. I call them the uh, GoBot Warriors. <laughs> yeah, like just the off-brand Warriors, and yeah. like it's there. And that was at the time like though it. when I like I what I fell into that you know lump in that category with uh comparing trey young to steph curry but you know you you watch him and he's more of steve nash and he is steph curry but yeah still like it can it can completely change like i mean kevin what kevin durant did for the thunder organization yeah i mean he was a guy that completely changed the future of that team uh luckily he wasn't good enough to keep them out of drafting in the top three the next two years but yeah our top five I, russell went four Russell was four, I believe. Yeah, I think yeah, Durant Harden's was three. two, and then the next year Russell was four, and then Harden the next year was three, I believe. Right. So, luckily it wasn't a quick turnaround. Yeah. They had some high picks. But, yeah. again, I mean, look, and the Thunder could draft in the top five for the next 15 years and not hit on a guy at the caliber of any of those three right. dudes. Not even, like, they could get good players, but, like, you need an all-star elite-level player in the NBA to, be a di- to make a difference yeah. if you – contenders or not and it helps to have two but i mean we're seeing with atlanta you don't have to have two sometimes you just have to have the right construction of your roster from one to 15 but 
I mean, the Thunder have nice pieces. I mean, they've got good young players like uh, uh, Pulieski, Poku. Yeah, I'm just calling Poku. I was trying to say his last name. I can't do it. But Poku and Dort, like, I mean, Baisley's coming along. They've got nice pieces. They don't have Moses Brown anymore, which kind of sucks because I kind of like them. But, I mean, if Kimba Walker for maybe 30 games this year, because yeah. I mean, if he stays, if they don't trade him before the season starts, they're just going to out Horford him and just sit him out until they can trade him next year. I think he'll start the season and average about thirty a game, uh, and they'll build up the value and then and send him home. Yeah, I mean, that's the, I mean, that's a smart move. Yeah, he's got two years left on his deal. You don't want to pay. I mean, you really want to pay Kimba. I know you have a salary floor you need to get to, so you got to pay somebody, right? But why not just go and lock up Shea? Well, and they have like I what the- six guys on their roster right now that they're paying. <laughs> Yeah, they're gonna have to. Uh, yeah. They're gonna overpay. Yeah. some veteran for like a one year deal. Like right. they're gonna give like uh, like the JJ Redick like situation Jordan. in Philly a few years ago, where he got like twenty something million 20 for million, a one year yeah. deal. Yeah, yeah, just I mean, so they can hit JJ the salary Redick. floor. Yeah, I mean JJ Redick's not. I'm not going to say he's trying to win a title, but it's something like that. Yeah, exactly. You're gonna just give some random dude twenty five million dollars for a year, and everybody's gonna be like, why is he twenty five million dollars? Yeah. Dude's a seventh best player on the team. Right. But yeah, so maybe he stays. I don't know. I don't. It doesn't make a difference though. Uh, we saw it in Charlotte. Kimba's as great as Kimba is. He's not good enough to take a bad team and take push them higher than like the last playoff team. Right. And you don't want to be that if you're Oklahoma City. Yeah. I mean, Luka Doncic is one of the best five players in the world. And what were the Mavericks? The seven seed or the? I think they like five, didn't they? Was it five? Yeah, yeah, they played LA. They played the Clippers in the first oh, round. Oh, that's right. Okay, four or five. But even, but, I mean, I even mean, that, that's the five seed. Yeah, I mean, He's they were one out of the top of the five players in the world. They were out of the playoffs in like January, like yeah. in February, January and February. They were not. They were not in the playoff hunt because they yeah. couldn't hit threes, and then they made a push. But yeah, it's again, and like how many in, in the history of the NBA? I mean, we're looking at a situation where Atlanta was a five, right? So you're looking at a situation where they're now three wins away from the finals. But yeah. outside of that, like the Rockets are the only five seed, I think, to ever win the title. Or were they a six seed? Oh, I can't remember. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't. The point is, like most years, you're getting a one or a two seed in the finals. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough, man. Uh, and, and you know, I'm not saying that the Thunder couldn't find a Damian Lillard with the number six pick, but... It just seems very number one. It seems unlikely that that worked that that that's going to happen, and number two, it seems extremely unlikely that you're going to convince one of the teams in the top three or four to uh, move down. I mean, maybe at four, you're only talking about moving two spots, and and you know having five future picks like uh, is something that that team wants to do. But uh, for the most part, I just don't. I, I mean. If you are a team saying, I'm going to move down to six, and that's the kind of caliber player that the odds say I'm going to get, hard pass for me. Hard pass. So, who, okay, so Houston was two, Detroit's one, Cleveland was three. Cleveland three, Toronto four, Orlando five, OKC six. Okay, so if you're Toronto, I, I, and I, I, this is look. Toronto is interesting. I think. I think this is probably the only team that you could possibly have a phone call with above Oklahoma City. Maybe. Yeah. If Kyle Lowry walks in free agency and goes somewhere else, maybe Toronto uh, will give up that four for a Kimba Walker and six. 
Maybe. Because Toronto's good. I mean, like, yeah. Toronto has a good roster. They just won a title two years ago. Like, they're not necessarily the fourth worst team in the league. I mean, I, I, I know that Siakam didn't really uh, progress like everybody expected him to or Toronto was hoping him to, but Fred Van Vliet's very good. Uh, they have him under contract still. They're, I mean, they're not bad. If Kyle, yeah. if Kyle Lowry walks, like I said, maybe Oklahoma City can make a call. But it, again, is it worth – because I, I don't think – I don't know if Kimba in just six would be enough to move up four. You might have to give him another draft pick. I think I, – I would think so. Is it worth it? And you have to you have to make sure that hit, they can take on his money. Well, if if Lowry walks, they can take. They his can. Money. Okay, I don't I don't know what. Yeah, because Lowry was making like forty million. Okay. Against their cap, so yeah, they'll be able to they'll be able to take on that. I think Kimba's making like thirty ish right now. I think he's got like seventy due over the next two years. But other than that, like Orlando, Houston, Cleveland, and uh, Detroit are definitely not moving out of their spots. So they are at uh, without Kyle Lowry's money next year. They're at 101 million. Aaron Siakam's owed 31. Van Vliet's owed 19. Rodney Hood's owed 10. Um, Rodney Hood 10 million dollars. Yeah. Oh my God. Ananobi's 16. Yeah. They might have to do some finagling. Yeah. I mean, if they have to send Rodney Hood to Oklahoma City, like Oklahoma City is going to have to take some money too. Right, yeah. Because they, they got to hit that floor. So maybe you throw in Rodney Hood or right. whatever combination of like overpaid bench players. But it's the NBA. They like these dude. these GMs always figure a way to make the finances work. I mean, yeah. I mean, like the freaking Nets have brought in James Harden <laughs> after they signed Kyrie and KD. Yeah. Like you can make it work, but. That, that's it, the only but, way but they the point up. of all of this is just it's a really tough thing to do. And this idea that just because you have a bunch of draft capital, uh, you can move to whatever pick you want to move to is absurd to right. me. In the NFL, draft capital holds is, is like is extremely valuable. In the NBA, draft capital is just not as valuable as, as a player that you already know can play. Yeah, it's nice to have. Like it gives you flexibility in what you can try to do, but right. it also doesn't guarantee that you're going to be able to pull anything off. Like. That, that, that's where I think there's the breakdown. Like, you see what Oklahoma City has in their back pocket, and you have to be excited about that. Like, you should be excited about that. But you also have to understand, like, that doesn't necessarily mean that you can use that to get premium draft picks. Right. Just off the top of your head, if you had to guess, how many NFL first-rounders turn out to be, like, plus players? Like, I like where if you had to grade them game to game or their career end up being like at least a B plus. Oh, I would say at least half. You're right. How many in the NBA? Maybe five. Yeah. In the first round. Yeah. It's that's what I'm saying. Like the draft capital in the NBA just is not as valuable because it's it's such a bigger gamble every time, no matter where you pick. And your odds are like we've I've said a few times, like your odds are higher if you're in the top three or top five, but like it still doesn't guarantee anything. You can still end up with an Anthony Bennett or Darko Milicic. Yeah. For sure. So I mean it's awesome to see and know that the Thunder have like seventeen first round picks over the next like seven drafts, but they could whiff on every single one of those. Yeah, agreed. Uh, let's hit the conference finals, uh, and then we'll, uh, talk about baseball real quick. Cause I'm, I, I'm okay. so triggered about the whole, like, uh, checking pitchers thing. Um, but first Western conference finals, 
How infuriating was it to watch the final like couple minutes of the Suns Clippers game the other night that took like forty five minutes to play out? Um, like I was both on the it, edge of my seat and annoyed at the same time for like half an hour. So I mean, it's got to be expected, right? We know that the last two minutes of a basketball game, whether it's college or the NBA, if they have review replayed, it's going to take forever. And you add in the fact that you've got guys like. Uh, Patrick Beverly and Paul George and Chris Paul's not playing, but he's going to come back. He's going to make it even worse because they're going to ask for every single like 50, 50 call to be reviewed. Yeah. So it, it's got to be expected. Um, I look, I think there were some tough calls in the game too. Like the out of bounds play on the sideline. I think it was Devin Booker and Patrick Beverly. Yes. Like that's a tough call, man. That's and bullshit. Like, Let's just call it what it the, is. It's bullshit. The, well, what they ended up calling or that they had to review it? Well, that they had to review it anyway, but the way that they interpret that also, I think, is bullshit. Okay, I agree with the rule. I, I, I get, But I get the idea of they need to speed it up. Like, I think MLB has the same – I know MLB has the same issue. I'm okay with reviewing these plays, especially in playoff games. Like, when these are, like, the crucial plays at the end of games that you need to get the right call – I'm okay with reviewing it, but let's put a 60 second time limit on it. Do a quick commercial break if we need to, or just like, yeah. let's just talk, have the commentators talk or whatever for 60 seconds. You make a decision. If you make the wrong call, if you can't make the right call in 60 seconds, then so be it. But like, it's just speed it up. I don't, I just, that, see, like, I don't, think you've put a 30 second time limit on 30, it. Fine, 30 you, seconds is fine. I'm fine yeah, with you that. show it to them in real time. And if you can't definitively, after watching it for 30 seconds in real time, if you can't definitively say that the call was wrong, then the call stands and you continue the game. I'm fine with that. I'm also, I, mean, I would be, personally, I would be fine with no replay in any sport. Uh, uh, me, I think too. It, me too. I, I think that it kills the momentum of the game, obviously kills the flow. And like, I kind of, I think it makes officials less happen. accountable for, for making the right call also. Well, why does it matter? You can just go review right. it and fix These it. Guys nobody cares. are so bad now because they have no accountability because if they get it wrong, they can just go look at the monitor. Right. And I, and I would be perfectly fine just having going back to like whatever happens, happens, and you just got to live with it. Agreed. You got to react to it in the moment and figure it out. But God bless. I, that game was, that game was good. And, uh, I don't think anybody feels bad for Paul George for missing those two free throws. I don't think there's a single person in the world other than Paul George and like the 18 Clippers fans that exist yeah. that feel bad for Paul George missing those free throws. And then just, oh my God, the, like the inbound, like the perfect pass from Jay Crowder on that inbound. And then obviously Aiden finishing, it was awesome. But like nobody's giving enough credit to yeah. Crowder for the per- like a perfect pass. I think you tweeted like Green Bay needs to sign Jay Crowder. Yeah, they need a trade for Jay Crowder. Yeah, and I, look, and I thought it was obvious. Like I also tweeted out like before the play, and I, it, it drove me crazy because the commentator said it like right after I tweeted it, and every, I was like, everybody's gonna think I just repeated. What I, the I saw you said. tweet it by the way. I did see you tweet it before they said it on the broadcast. Okay, yeah, but it was just so obvious. Like that's yeah. the only option you have. You have to go inbound to Aiton or Ali to Aiton. And, it just executed perfectly because I know that Ty Lue knew that's exactly what they were gonna do too. So, just just crazy. I mean, the playoffs have been so good this this year. Yeah. Especially like the since the end of the first round, and even the first round had some good series. But like the semifinals and the conference finals have been extremely good, and it's fun. Like I'm loving the fact that LeBron's not playing in any of these games. 
I'm just so sick of seeing LeBron in the finals, yeah, conference same. finals. Same. That we've gotten two rounds. We're going to get three rounds in the playoffs with no LeBron. Yeah. Well, all of a sudden, you see what it's like to have to play in the Western Conference and how vulnerable you are if you're not 100%. Like, I 1,000% believe if the Lakers, as they were, were in the East, they would still be playing. They were up 2-1 on the Suns yeah. before Anthony Davis got hurt. I mean, there's... Yeah. Anthony Davis would say it held. I mean, yeah. But even without Anthony Davis, I still believe LeBron and that Lakers team would still be playing in the Eastern Conference. Oh, the East? Oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah. I, yeah, it would have been tough if, well, I think I think if, like, LeBron and the Lakers went up against the Hawks, I think you're looking at a tough series. I think, that, like, it's a seven-game series where, like, the seventh game is just who goes on, who gets more, like, nuclear. Is it Trey or, Le- or LeBron? But yeah. still, I mean, absolutely. I mean, look, it, this, the playoffs have been so nuts. Like, we talked about it for, you know, I don't know about weeks, but we talked about it before the playoffs started, that there was nobody that was going to stop this Nets team. But, I mean, injuries stopped Injuries, them. yeah. And even with Harden being, like, what would you say those last couple of games in that series uh, against Milwaukee was? Probably 25%. May, yeah, okay. 50%. So, yeah, well, you know what? You're probably closer to being accurate. Yeah, I, I, mean, I was even, being generous with just him being out there and saying that's 50%, but yeah. Right. I think that it's, he was definitely more of a benefit, even at 25 to 50%, definitely more of a benefit on there just for his ability to get the free throw line. But he was a shell. Being, he was Kyrie being out, uh, Harden being it crippled and Kevin Durant playing like every minute of the series. They were still only what a toe away a from, toe winning, away from winning. Yeah. They were going to win the title without injuries. They were going to run away 100%. with the title yeah. without injuries. Yeah. And especially like in, uh, so KD went off in game five, right? But Jeff Green also had like seven threes. Like yeah. their role players just couldn't show up in those last yeah. two games. And I mean, Durant was still amazing and played every minute. But like, I mean, the dude just, I mean, you saw it on that last shot in overtime, like just no gas left in the tank. And I mean, whatever. I'm not upset about it. Like, Right. You know, I'm loving this Milwaukee and Atlanta matchup. Like, I'm full on on like a Phoenix Atlanta finals. See, but, I want Milwaukee Phoenix because I I I love Giannis. Uh, I I just he's so damn likable. Like even when uh, he, he doesn't play well, and I get frustrated with like the way that he's playing. Like I hear an interview after the game, and I'm just like. I just love this guy. Like he's so damn likable. Um, and then you know, I I I, I just want Chris Paul to have like that opportunity. Whether he, I'd love to see him win it, but I don't want him to be one of those guys that never even gets to experience the final stage. So, yeah, I, I will say Giannis is one of the most likable dudes. Like when I was doing locker rooms, uh, when I was covering the Thunder, like Giannis was one of the like nicest dudes that you know you were around, like they would spoke to, speak to the media. Like some of these were just dicks yeah. when they spoke to the media. Some were cool and some like were whatever. And that, I mean, Giannis was always super professional and he was really polite to everybody. So big fan of Giannis, but I don't know what it is. I hate the Bucks. I don't know what it is. Maybe they just remind me of the Spurs. And yeah. I just like something about it. Like I just cannot root for them. So I'm all in on Trey Young. Like I love his, his cocky ass attitude. Like I, he's like, I think I tweeted it out a couple of days ago. He's he's got the game of Steve Nash and the attitude of Reggie Miller. Yeah, yeah, like, no, he he's I, I lo- absolutely leaning into the villain role, which I love. Absolutely, like good for him because nobody has ever given him 
the benefit of the doubt at, at any point in his basketball life. Right. So good for him for being the way he is. But uh, yeah, I, I West, I'm full in on Phoenix too because I just do not want to see the Clippers go to the finals. Yeah, like same. So like everybody's like getting in on this like oh, there's this is bad for the NBA because large markets there's no large markets. First off, the Clippers are in the second biggest market, maybe the biggest market in the NBA. Right. But nobody likes the Clippers. The Clippers don't have any fans. Right. You would have more people watching the games if it was the Suns and Hawks than if the Clippers were in the finals. Agreed. So crazy. And there's no such thing as small market or big market in the playoffs. Every game's on national TV by themselves. Yeah. There's no markets in the yeah. playoffs. It doesn't matter. They're going to make the same money. It's about superstars. It's a superstar league. Like, And guess what? Guess what? We're developing superstars right. in the making. Trey Young has has proven to be a superstar. Obviously, Giannis. Uh, Devin Booker is another guy that's on his way to being at that level. Chris Paul's there. The Clippers have two of those guys. Like, This is how it happens. Yeah. Dwight Howard became a superstar because of that finals run that he had in Orlando. Yeah. Obviously, injuries happened, and, and like it was a big downhill fall from there. But like for a while, he became a star in this league because of the playoffs. We're seeing, like you said, Trey Young, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton is becoming a star yeah. right now. So well, and you always have to have like that passing of the guard as well. Like you know, ever there's a, there's eras in the NBA where there's like a group of superstars that kind of dominate the league and you see in the, you know, the conference finals, the finals regularly, but at some point those torches start to get passed and it's happened over and over and over. I think we're, I think we're a little bit numb to it though, because LeBron has just been the best player in the league for like, he's in the East for a thousand years. The East sucked ass. Oh, it, it did. It's uh. Again, the landscape shifts so fast. Yeah. I don't think there's any argument, though, after the play, even with the second round elimination, that Kevin Durant's not the best player in the world. Like, Absolutely, I don't know how Kevin. You yeah, argue he that. is. But there's also this idea that LeBron sucks now, and that's just completely that's untrue. Hurt. The difference is LeBron needs help in the West, whereas in the right. East, he could get it done with him being the only guy. He's also played hurt. All he's been hurt a bunch. For this year. sure, for sure. So, that, that plays a role as well. Right, and like you're right, you do have to have help. Hell, I mean, at this point in the NBA, you you really need a, like you need help in any in either conference to get through the conference to the finals. I mean, yeah, maybe they maybe the East lucked out this year with Harden and Kyrie getting hurt. They definitely lucked out this year with those guys getting hurt. But if those guys were healthy. You need help. You still need a second guy, at least a second guy, to get through that team in the East. I'll, I'll say this. If the Nets were playing anybody else in the East and experienced the same thing, I, I think they still win. The Bucks were the only team that I think were built the right way that even without the other guys, they could still put a good defender on Kevin Durant and play defense on everybody else at a really high level because of the way they're yeah. built. I, if, if the Nets had played um, Philly or Atlanta in that same situation, I think the Nets win the series. Even Probably given so. Harden playing a third of what he is and no Kyrie. Well, I bet. I mean, Harden playing at 30%, like he's still going to have his way with Trey young on defense. Trey, yeah. like even Trey can't stop the 30% James Harden from scoring 20 points a game. Right. He's going to use a like, free then, throw line. Just, just doing that. Right. I mean, Trey might score 60. Right. If Harden's guarding him, but yeah, I mean, you're right. They, it, Milwaukee was the, the perfect team. And we, and we talked about that before. And I said that, that, if any of the teams in the East that were built to stop uh, Brooklyn, it was Milwaukee to me yeah. because they just they're loaded with perimeter defenders. Right. 
and I mean, we're seeing them right now. I mean, they lost last night, but they beat them. And, uh, yeah, so, I don't know, it's fun because I, like, most years you kind of have a pretty damn good idea who's going to go to the finals. Like, especially once you get to the conference finals. Like, yeah. the year that uh, the Warriors faced Portland <laughs> in the conference final, like, nobody thought Portland was going to win that no. series. Nobody at all. But uh, any of these four teams can make the finals. It's tough for the Clippers. I mean, Clippers are in a pretty damn big hole, but if Kawhi's out for game three, yeah, it's going to be tough. I'm just, the Clippers aren't winning if Kawhi didn't come back. I'll say that. Yeah, I, I can't imagine. I mean, to win four out of the next uh, six or right. five. The Suns are playing good basketball and they don't have Chris Paul because Chris Paul's coming back as well. Right. Yeah, exactly. The, the Suns have won, what, nine games in a row? Yeah. They were down 2-1 to the yeah. Lakers. They haven't lost since. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, I don't know. Like, you think, okay, let me ask you this real quick. Do you think if this was a normal NBA season, if the players had regular off seasons and everything, like no COVID, no bubble, any of that stuff, do you think Phoenix is still the second best team in the West? And you think they're in a situation they're in? I think they're close, yeah. I I felt like when you watch what that team did last year and the emergence of their young players, and then you add Chris Paul, who is, we saw the impact he had on young players in Oklahoma City, and the kind of guy that can elevate a team around him, to have the supporting cast that he had in Phoenix, I I definitely thought they were a top three or four team in the West and, and and a Western Conference title contender, for sure. Yeah, I mean, Chris Paul's like walking in like he's Master Splinter and the other guy, right. four guys are the Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I thought they were there. I would have never guessed second best team in the West. I would have thought maybe like that maybe they get the six seed, seven seed, something like that. Like yeah. they, especially in the West, if the way it played out. But I mean, hell, I don't know. I like Phoenix. I've always rooted for Phoenix. They've always been a fun team to watch to me. And, uh, I look back at my preseason predictions uh, like last week. I had Lakers 1 in the West. I had Clippers 2 in the West. And then I had Phoenix 3 in the West. Really? Yeah. So I had high expectations for Phoenix. And then I had Portland. I think I had Portland 4. Portland 4, Denver 5. Um, I I missed badly on Utah. I think I had them at 8. <laughs> and they were the one seed. But... I think I told you before the playoffs, like I didn't think that uh, that Utah was going to get to the Western Conference Finals, even even with the one seed. Yeah, it definitely didn't help that like Donovan Mitchell was banged up, but they just yeah, Jordan Clarkson being your second best scorer, right? Always is not going to lead to you being able to win, you know, multiple playoff series. Yeah. All right, let's wrap up with this. Uh, Major League Baseball. What a bunch of idiots, eh? These guys can't get out of their own way. It's like every time something happens in Major League Baseball, they choose the wrong fork in the road. Like, I don't know how a group of people are able to stay in business the way that they have been, but, like, to continually make wrong decision after wrong, it, it honestly just speaks to how many base, even though people don't think there are a lot of baseball fans out there, the poor decision-making time after time after time kind of speaks to how many baseball fans are out there because there are so many people that continue to stick with the sport. But 
this uh, this whole like checking pitchers thing, I don't even know. I don't know why it triggers me so hard. But just seeing the video of a pitcher walking off the mound toward the dugout and the umpire walking over to him and checking his hat and glove, like it just sets a fire in me that I can't explain. I I don't know why it bothers me so bad, but I just get really upset about seeing it. Let me ask you this. Why the hell do we care if these pitchers are using any substances? Why 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 do we care if a player if a hitter is quirking it? Like who cares? <laughs> Integrity of the game, Aaron. Integrity. Baseball is the sport that has the least no integrity. Yeah. Baseball has never had integrity about this sport. Unwritten rules. Always cheating. Unwritten rules, Aaron. And they've always, they, they, yeah. it, 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 for 100 years, players have been trying to cheat at baseball yeah. because it's such a hard game to play. Right. You need every advantage you can get, whether that's corking your bat, spitball, like, we're fucking having Vaseline in your belly button, or yeah. whatever. Like, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, what did uh, the guy in Major League use? Vagisil? Is that what he used? Yeah. Yeah. Whatever it is, like, hitters using uh, pine tar. Yeah. Why? Okay. So, why can't a hitter use pine tar, but a pitcher can't use. Uh, the whatever it is that they use the tarantula. Yeah. What is it? Spider or something like that? I don't know. But yeah, because they say it gives the ball like way more break. So if you're okay, so if you're a hitter, yeah, it's adjust. Yeah. Like, here's the thing that upsets me the most about baseball right now is they're so desperate to give the hitters every advantage they can that it just it they're like it just makes the sport. It's not unwatchable for me because I'll always be a baseball fan, but like it, it just frustrates me to no end that it's all, like juicing balls, like a hundred percent. Like if you don't think they juice the balls, then you're out of your mind, right? Because they're doing they people like there's this idea that if you have somebody hitting sixty home runs, that fans are just going to tune in. It's not necessarily the case. Yeah, like who it is off, plays a big role in that, right? Right. Like people it, it, liked it, Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa and that chase because at the time those were pretty likable guys. Barry Bonds was never likable. And when Barry Bonds started doing it, people were pissed. People wanted wanted to know why. Like, why is this happening? This guy's not likable. I don't like seeing his face. I don't want this guy to have a record. Right. In 98, there may have been some conversations, but... It wasn't a big, like, a big story was like... Because nobody wanted oh, to look into it because they liked right, the people that exactly. were in the spotlight. Yeah. Stero- Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa on steroids? Eh, eh, who cares? It's eh. fun. Let's watch them bash home right. runs. Barry Bonds did it, what, three years later? Yeah. And everybody was like, oh, this dude's roided yeah, up. Yeah, he's look a at dick, the size so let's... Uh, yeah, yeah, why do we... We don't want him to be the record holder because he's an ass. Look, if you're Major League Baseball and you want to get people to watch your sport, how about make it easier to watch the games? Get rid of the dumbass yeah. blackout rules, and then maybe you'll get more right. people to watch the games. Because guess what? I've watched two Astros games this year. I would have watched probably 40 by now if I could watch them without them being blacked out. Yeah. I could get a VPN. I could do all that nonsense. I could stream it, but like, that's just a pain in the ass. Right. I have the I have MLB TV. I just want to get on my Amazon Fire and just open the app and watch a game, but I can't yeah. do that because the Astros are within seven hours of me. Yeah. Same, dude. Like, I don't have... So, my television package doesn't have Bali Sports. So, I can't watch the Rangers. But I also can't buy the MLB, like, whatever it's called, League Pass, because I can't see Rangers games. Right. There's no point. 
Right, why like, why that? would I buy the league pass if I can't watch the team that I want to buy the league pass to be able to watch? Right. The only reason I have it because I got it for free. Yeah. Otherwise, like, I wouldn't pay for it. I've it. It's just so stupid. It, baseball is just so behind, and they don't like. They're clearly going. They're just. I don't. Know, they're just trying things that nobody wants. Who want? Like, did anybody ask for a runner in second base in extra innings? Is, that, is there? Have you ever talked to anybody and said? Man, baseball games are too long. I it went ten innings. I wish you would have ended fifteen minutes earlier. Like the game already takes forever. It's already a long <laughs> right, game. Right. Once you get to extra innings, nobody's complaining. Yeah. Just turn the game off. You don't want to be there. Or leave. Like nobody's asking for this. Most games, like how many games go longer than like eleven innings? It's very uncommon for an extra innings game to go yeah. more than like one or two innings. I don't care about that rule in the regular season because, like, there's 162 games. But it's just the same point. Like, nobody cares. Right. Nobody asked for that. Right. I think the pitch clock's a good idea, but they don't even really – do they really even implement that at the major league level yet? I've not ever seen it be like a – I mean, yeah. You you bring in instant replay – and then it takes 16 minutes to so make a decision on a right. freaking ground for uh, like a bang bang play at first. So bad. The did you did you see the whole video of Girardi and Max Scherzer? Oh, if I was Max, I wish Max Scherzer would have just knocked his ass out. Absolutely. I think they checked I, him see, three I, times, Aaron. They checked Max Scherzer yeah. three times in that game. He's a he is a multiple time Cy Young winner. He's a, he's he's a not future he Hall of Famer. Hall of Fame, first ballot. I know he's not what he was like even two years ago. I know he has taken a huge step For back, sure. but he is still a future Hall of Famer. Like the dude is just good. Like just just because he's you know kicking your ass that night, it's not because he's cheating necessarily. Yeah. He's just good, a good pitcher. And then Joe Girardi's like freaking catcher, right? I guarantee you that he was like. I guarantee you he was like rubbing Vaseline on David Cohen's butt crack so that he could get, you know, better break on his ball. Like it's just so hypocritical. Yeah. That Joe Girardi would do that. It was so annoying. Checked three times once in the middle of an inning. And I don't know if you caught any of Girardi's comments after the game. I didn't, but he says something along the lines of, well, we just noticed that Max was running his fingers on his head, and we've just never seen him do that, so we thought something was up. It seemed mysterious that this guy was rubbing his head. Ooh, what? Like, what if I have an itch on my left shoulder, and you're like, well, that's mysterious. He's he's itching his left shoulder. Have him right. checked immediately. What if he has lice? Maybe he has lice, and he's just embarrassed him on national TV. Did you see the umpire run his fingers through Max Scherzer's thinning hair? No, I didn't. Oh my God. It's the most dude. It's so cringy that Max Scherzer's taking off his hat, giving them the glove. And they're saying like, Girardi thinks there might be something in your hair. And so like Max runs his fingers through his hair. And then you see the, uh, then he like kind of like bends over a little bit or puts his head down. And the umpire's hair and fingers are like on Max Scherzer's head, running his fingers through his hair. Look, I, I, I fully believe that there are a good amount of umpires in the MLB that like to make the games about them and like to like kind of take over and be the star or wish that they could. Yeah. But there's like you there's no way, right, that these umpires are like they have to be like, this is so stupid. Like why I, I don't want to like I'm sorry, Max. I like 
I really don't want to check you for a third time, but I have to. And I certainly don't want to have to put my hands in your hair. Your sweaty ass balding head. (laughs) Right. Dude, you've got to go look at the video. I'll I'll go check it. It's so bad. Just, I, I don't get it. Like you want the game to be entertaining. Stop controlling it so much. Just let him play. Uh, I would lose. I I would have been far worse, I think, than Max Scherzer was if that had happened. To me. Oh, I mean, I've seen, I've seen multiple videos of pitchers just lose, like Sergio Romo. Yeah, take, like uh, took his pants off. Yeah, on the field, like it's just, it's completely ridiculous. Yeah, they're ch- did you see him ch- checking Degrom the other day, like. I don't know. It, 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 just, like, it really triggers me. And I look, I know that there are pitchers that cheat, obviously. Who cares, and I know you, though? but like, it just triggers me so hard to see these guys like walking off the mound. And the umpire's like, give me your hat and glove. I have to check. Like, I, anybody that has played baseball, even like what past little league, if you played in high school, college, played professional, like everybody knows how hard that game is. Yeah. And like, Everybody takes it like everybody does what they can do to get an advantage. And it's completely hypocritical for any player to criticize another player for trying to get an advantage. Yeah. So whether it's sign stealing, whether it's using a foreign substance, like it doesn't like it. I who I just don't get it. Who cares? You want the game to be entertaining. Stop trying to dictate everything that happens. And uh, I, so Tyler Glass now, did you hear his interview after he uh, got hurt? Uh, it sounds familiar, but I... Okay, so he, like, he, he heard his UCL uh, last week, and he basically talked about, like, because they can't rub the ball down with whatever oh, they, yeah, they yeah, use, yeah, yeah. he has to grip the ball tighter, yeah, and it completely threw off his mechanics, and I get it. Like, and I, there's been a couple of pitchers made this point, like, why are you making this call in the middle of the season? It's June, and you're going to completely change something like, like they don't yeah. have weeks off to com- adjust to these new things. Like they're doing, like they play the next day and they've got to completely change the way that they, their mechanics. Yeah. Like it's like you said, the MLB just like takes the wrong every time, every time. Like we bash on Roger Goodell. Everybody loves to bash on him, but the NFL in the reality of the situation, they run things so well. Like they don't make rash decisions. Right. If they want to try something new, they give it a test run. They do it for a season, like the uh, the pass interference call review. They did it for one year based off of a pretty big call that changed the outcome of the eventual champion potentially. They did it for a year. It sucked, and then they said, "You know what? That was trash. Like we're not doing that anymore." Yeah. The, I think the NBA is great, but I think that they're tr- they're getting a little too desperate for whatever reason, uh, especially with the playoffs. And the MLB just like. I think the MLB, the best thing they can do is just accept the fact that their main competitor is the NHL. Now they're not in, the, they're not even in the same re, like app, like stratosphere as the NFL and NBA in this country anymore. I agree with that. Yeah, and, they're clearly third. Right. They need. They just need to compete with the NHL. Yeah. The NHL. I don't know the ins and outs of the league, but I know that the sport is highly entertaining, and the playoffs are arguably the best playoffs to watch. Is Stanley Cup playoffs and. I, mean, I, I would agree with that. I, I think that uh, when you talk about the coverage area, there's just such a massive part of the country that has zero experience with anything hockey related. That sure, absolutely. I think baseball is still area. way ahead of hockey. I, I don't think they're in danger of getting passed by hockey, but 
it's one of those things that you can't take for granted over the next 20 years. I mean, like they're certainly vulnerable enough to be caught down the road if they don't like take care of their sport. Soccer is growing. Look, soccer is growing big time in this country too. Like they're way fifth. I mean, if you want to throw in like racing, like they're behind NASCAR for sure. They might be behind like formula one right now in this country, but like it's growing big time. Like there are a lot of MLS clubs being added to that league. Um, the U.S. men's national team is getting good. Like, there's going to be more eyeballs on soccer, and it probably will never catch baseball. But like, you you can't just assume that because you have this long history of being very popular in right. the country that you're right. maintained. Like, if baseball big. wanted to to create like a new logo, and the options were like an outline of Babe Ruth or like the Nazi symbol. Baseball would 100% choose the Nazi symbol because that's what they do. They take the wrong fork in the road every single time. And it's, it's crazy because like it's been fast. It's been a fastball too. Cause I would say 20 years ago, baseball was the second most popular sport in this country. I think they were, I think they were ahead of the NBA, especially after Michael retired. Like once Michael walked away and you had that home run chase in 98, like the seat, like the year that Michael walked away. Yeah. Like baseball comfortably was in second, I think. And then Rob Manfred's a terrible. I think the Bud Selig at the end of his tenure was terrible. But I mean they had a run in the nineties where they were extremely popular. Eighties, great. Like it just I don't know. It's been fifteen years of just making the wrong decisions and not knowing how to market their players. It's just Yeah. It's been terrible. And it sucks because I love baseball, but like it's it's hard to watch baseball sometimes right now yeah i mean i get upset at it but they're not going to lose me as a fan and you're probably in the same boat because you've been a fan forever but like you can't take people like us for like you can take people like us for granted because we're not going anywhere but it but for the non-baseball fan you're losing those people like it just it doesn't make sense to me they need new fans and they're making the wrong decisions every step yeah like nobody first off you want new fans? How about don't point out the fact that everybody cheats? <laughs> like, how, how can you become a new fan of a sport where the league is like, yeah, yeah we're aware that like 95% of the players are cheating. All of our hitters are taking steroids and all of our pitchers are p- putting foreign substances on the balls. Uh, right. So you can't, you can't really trust anybody that's hitting a, hot, a lot of home runs, but you also can't trust anybody that's pitching well. Right. Like nothing, everything's fake in this league. Nothing is like, you can't evaluate anything yeah. based on what you're yeah. seeing. Oh, you like Mike Trout? He's, he probably, ha- he might have a corked bat or he's using PEDs. Oh, you right. like Jacob deGrom? He might have something you on his hat what? that's helping, yeah. you know, get him an extra couple inches on, on movement. It's so stupid. For like crying out loud. Uh, Embarrassing. And hearing about, what, like two weeks, two and a half weeks? It's it's full on baseball for like two months. Yeah. At least uh, at least we'll have the ho- home run derby should be good, huh? Yeah. P- oh, uh, Shohei committed. Shohei, yeah. I saw P. Alonzo committed. Uh, Shohei, I'm definitely tuning in to watch Shohei in the home run derby, but. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get one night of a fun yeah. home run derby that they'll probably change the format of again this year because they change it every other year for some stupid reason because, again, they just can't let things be and like naturally just grow. The biggest stars right now in baseball, you could argue are like Acuna, 
uh, Tatis Jr., Shohei, uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. Like, you've got got this group of young superstars that are all performing at the highest level. Why aren't those guys, like, transcendent-type athletes? Why aren't they being promoted in a way that non-baseball fans are like, Show that's Shohei Otani. Uh, yeah, I mean, if Shohei Otani wasn't Japanese, most people probably wouldn't be able to pick him out of a lineup. But I mean, he's a six, he's six yeah. three. He's jacked. He's a Japanese dude. Like, I mean, but how many non baseball like, fans are like? No, even ever yeah. heard of him? Yeah. Why is he not in commercials? Right. Like, he is a international superstar in a market yeah. that like Japan's a huge market. Yeah. Like, you should be able to market that pretty damn well in this country. Tatis and, then, and Acuna should yeah. absolutely like, be transcendent superstars. And I, I think they tried with Trout, but Trout is just such an introvert yeah. that it just it didn't translate. But I, I don't but even know just, that they – I mean, did they really try? Like, I, I don't even know that they really – I think they tried as about as much as Mike Trout wanted to try himself. That that might be But fair. Acuna – like Tatis – the, like the dude is pimping home runs. It's a it's May, yeah. and he's doing like cartwheels after yeah. he hits a home run. Like market that dude, yeah. But because it's baseball, stupid unwritten rules. They're not going to market him because he's he he likes to yeah. showboat after he hits a home run, and that's going to upset a portion of their fan base who's seventy and can't yeah. get over like you know the way baseball was played in Mickey Mantle's era. Right. Yeah, it's crazy. Tatis is twenty two years old. He just signed a $400 million deal. Yeah, Ronald Acuna is 23 years old. How are these guys not, like, everywhere? I'm trying to think, post-Derek Jeter, like, what MLB players I have, like, really noticed having, like, a, uh, like, an off-the-field, like, image. Is there one? Since Jeter? I don't, I, don't I can't think, think so. of one. Yeah, I don't, I, nobody. Yeah, like Griffey and Jeter, home runs as far as marketing and like right. public image goes. Other than that, for the past 20 years, it's been nothing. Yeah. Yeah, there's no. Yeah, a- I mean, that's the tough thing about, look, and, that, and look, baseball just as a sport is, is tough because it's harder to market pitchers because fans can't see them every game. Right. So, you like, pitchers are a little bit harder to market, but why? I mean, you got to try with guys like Tatis and Acuna and like, like, I don't know what they're doing, dude. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of Latin people in this country and those are mega superstars yeah. from Latin countries. Yeah. And why are you not like doing something with them? Be better. Major league baseball. It's so bad. Jersey. I mean, the NFL markets, their players better and you can't even see their faces during the games. <laughs> right. Yeah, but but like, ask ten non baseball fans, show them a picture of Ronald Acuna, ask who that is, and I, I mean, no chance, nobody knows, right? But I think you could ask ten non NFL fans, and I mean, they got the, okay, minor, like they have to have some knowledge of it, obviously. But you show them a picture of like Mahomes, Rodgers, Brady, those yeah. guys, like everybody knows who those guys are, right? I mean, Aaron Rodgers hosted Jeopardy for yeah. a week, right? What MLB player is ever going to host any game show? None. No. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe they could host uh, ridiculousness. 
Well, I still won't see them. So, and they're reaching an audience of zero. No, so, somebody out there like watches ridiculousness on repeat on MTV every hour. I don't know. I guess. Yeah. All right, my friend. Always good stuff, and uh, we'll catch up again next week. Have a good weekend. All right. See you later. Okay, it's over.